2: All right, here we go, a Thursday podcast for you. And uh, once again, no Eddie, no, 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 jackass, no Al Dukes, because we found out today he is sick. We'll get to that in a moment. So instead sitting in for him, his name is Eddie Scazzeri. What's up, Eddie? Hello, podcast people. So Al's not here. He took the day off uh, late last night. Matter of fact, I woke up to this text that he didn't send until 9.30 last night, which I thought was interesting. Now, he didn't feel well yesterday morning which I did know, uh, but I wake up to the text that his uh, throat was burning, bad headaches, uh, bad fever, blah, blah, blah. So Zoo is in today, which is fine, and then we find out at about 8.30 that he has tested for COVID, which is bizarre. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, it's still out there.
2: It's, so when I went to the doctor, so I got my stitches out yesterday, mm-hmm. so I got an email on, I guess it was, I made this appointment on Monday morning Yesterday was Wednesday. I guess Tuesday I got an email from the doctor's office just saying, hey, um, COVID is up again. uh, If you feel you have any symptoms, either uh, reschedule or cancel. I felt fine, so I don't want to worry about it. And then 24 hours later we find out, or 48 hours later we find out that Al has COVID. But what's amazing to me about it is, which we talked about on the show a little bit, is how he went through the entire COVID peak months, Mm -hmm. was cocky about it, Still went out, went to restaurants. Now, I'm not saying he was going to parties or anything like that, but it didn't stop him from doing the things he does. Once those were available. When they after, came back, correct. After the real intense period. For sure, because the intense period, everybody was basically mm-hmm. home and everything was shut down. Yeah. But that first year in 2020... 2020? Yes, mm-hmm. 2020. I got as sick as I've ever been in my life in December Yep, um, of that year. And... He was fine, and I was around him before, and I was around him after it, and never a problem. Then I got it again about a year later or so, or maybe six months, maybe six months later. Yeah, it was the summertime. Not as bad, but not good. I still struggled. But it was, I think it was in June or July, and it was not a, not a good week for me, and still nothing. And then you sit there and think, for someone like him who doesn't like to really do anything and mm-hmm. hates flying, this had to have
3: come from the plane. You would think, yeah, or the concert, or the con-
2: I guess the concert. Yeah, I suppose. I always think the plane, just because you're confined in that tube, but yet all and that the air times is
3: circulating. And-
2: but then again, all the times I flew during COVID with Rutgers and even um, uh, independently, never a problem. But you were always,
3: you guys tested for Rutgers.
2: Yes, but it, but there were people that did test positive part of the traveling party. Mm-hmm. A couple, mm-hmm. not a lot. Only the players never tested positive. Mm-hmm. I never tested positive during the season um, in and around that. Maybe it was not December. I forget when I tested positive, but it wasn't around any travel. And I think I only missed one Rutgers game at that time. But I don't know. It's just fun. like Kim got it twice. I got it twice. My Matthew got it twice. And it used to say, sit there and look at him like, what the hell does this guy do? Mm-hmm. Where he never gets sick and now he gets burned by it. So,
3: yeah. Oh, well, well long,
2: I, long time away from work too for him now.
3: Uh, yeah, it is. Just one day back after, you know, what, four days off, three days off.
2: Yeah. It was Friday, Monday, Tuesday, mm-hmm. and then off tomorrow now and then all of next week. Yes. Which was scheduled. Yes, of course. That's your vacation. Yes. And you guys come back on the 10th and I'm out.
3: Or, you are out on the 10th? I'm out yeah? on the 10th. Oh, just the tenth?
2: Just the tenth. We have a uh, baseball tournament in Virginia mm-hmm. that uh, Joseph will go to on Wednesday. I will go meet them on Friday and then stay the weekend. I didn't want to deal that traffic coming back Sunday yeah, night from Virginia is going to be brutal to where I'm even contemplating staying Sunday night, and coming home Monday morning. Mm-hmm. Didn't want to deal with it, so I decided that was kind of good. Yeah, go
3: early Monday morning, like you know, five a.m. or whatever.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. The other thing that came up on the show. Um, was that Sarah Walsh audio that I played. I mentioned yes. it on the warm-up show, uh-huh. and then we played the audio. Now, you don't golf. No. So this one, I, this is a weird one for you, because what would you say for you would be the time-consuming hobby that you have that you do without your wife, or is there not one? No, there is not one. So there's never a time when you're like, Hey, hon, I got to go do this. I'll be
3: back in six hours. No, no. How nothing. about go out
2: with your friends once a month?
3: Uh, that doesn't really happen. No, we, well, we go out with our friends that we are mutual friends with. No, I meant just you and the guys. No, no, I really don't. So you have... don't live
2: this life at all?
3: No, no. And to the point, like, I, I was ignorant as to the length of a typical golfer, and I had no idea.
2: Oh, sure, it takes a long time. I'm yeah. going with Matthew today. We're only playing nine, though, because we have practice. I have practice with the baseball team tonight. Otherwise, I'd play 18. What's funny is in the circle of life, if you will. So, you know, before I got married, I played a lot. Mm -hmm. And then even when I got married, I continued to play probably four days a week. I would say never on the weekends. That was always the thing I would tell my wife was, as long as you don't mind, I'm playing all week, but Saturday and Sunday I'm home. And she loved it. Never a problem. I could come home at six o'clock on Tuesday. Didn't matter as long as I was around on the weekends. So it always worked. And then, you know, Matthew's born and I slowed down and then really slowed down Mm -hmm. to where I stopped playing, essentially, for the most part. But there would be those outings where you go play and it would take eight hours because you'd be there an hour and a half before the breakfast and then the range and then you play and the round is four and a half hours and then the dinner after. And it's like you come home and they're mad at you Mm -hmm. because you've been gone all day and they're running around with the kids. Not that they mind it, but there's no help all day. Sure. So now we get to a point where... Matthew and Joseph love it, Eddie. When I tell you I could play seven days a week right now if I was bringing them with me, all good. Mm-hmm. Like she loves that they like to play and like to do that with me, and it's like go play, yeah, and,
3: and now pretty now you, cool. Yeah, it is, and pretty it, cool. is it. Is it something where you could also go with your friends and them, or, uh, or one? Is a, okay,
2: I mean you only have four in a group. Oh, right. Yeah. So, when I had my incident last week, banging the golf ball off my forehead, Where's off your the dad? tree. Yes. My dad was there with the two boys. And then I played with Joseph on Tuesday, and now I'm playing with Matthew today. Both times, just nine, because it takes too long. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah. So, that's interesting. You've never, never want, like, nothing? No. You've never no. been part of a group, a hobby, a, a hiking group, nothing.
3: Well, I, I like to do gardening stuff when I have the...
2: Yeah, dance. but that's at your house.
3: Yeah, I know, I mean, and that's we, like a
2: home improvement.
3: And we like to hike with the dogs, but we do that together. That's together. Uh, and now, you first. don't
2: live this life at all.
3: No, no,
2: no. Friday night at the bar? And just never, never. Like
3: by myself, except when you know we go out like uh, the uh, Boomer and Geo Live, or you know the work related uh, night before the uh, you know the kickoff show, sure. that sort of thing. But those are all work related. Yeah, it's a pretty. Uh, uh, pathetic existence, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. You know. Are you
2: happy, though? Yeah. That's, not, that's yeah, fine, I, then.
3: I don't miss it. Yeah, I don't have any of those sort of expensive uh, hobbies like golf or cars or clothes or, you know, whatever.
2: Do you have, and I've, yeah, I know you listen to the podcast, so you know. Yes. I find it very difficult. I don't know what is inside of me where I get anxiety and I get just fidgety. I can watch a show or two, and right now I'm trying to... Matthew got me into NCIS, so I started with... I actually picked up in year five. I don't know why I didn't watch the first few years, but whatever. And there's like 23 seasons. It's like the longest-running yeah, yeah. show on TV. So I think you're in, I think the fall will be year 23. Anyhow, I'm, I'm up to year 13 now. I started in year five, so I've watched
3: a lot. And how long has that taken you to get from...
2: Um, a few months because I won't watch more than one or two a day. Mm -hmm. Like that's it. And if I, and I will watch back to back episodes for sure, because it's 40 minutes, no commercials. So it's an hour and 20 minutes. I tell you, I get to that hour and 20 minute Mark. And I am like, I got to get up and do something. I'm okay. When I, when I'm watching a baseball game, but even like football on Sundays, I watch three hours of a game. I find it very difficult to sit there and I feel just like a piece of crap sitting on the couch all day. Mm-hmm. Can you do that or do you have that that draw to go accomplish
3: something? Yeah, to do something. Absolutely. Like I don't watch, like we'll watch TV on the weekend, like Friday night, Saturday, if we don't go out or whatever. Sure, And, uh, you know, but it's usually just a movie or, you know, that's usually it on a Friday night and or Saturday night if we don't go out. But uh, yeah, I don't sit around. Like when I go home, I'll run errands and do whatever. Then I do a little bit of work stuff, eat dinner, go to bed pretty much. And that's your day. Uh, and that's the day, you know. But I, with my wife's business, I help out with that and run errands for that or just run errands for the household or what have you. So yeah, I really don't have a lot <laughs> going on. Uh, but I'm not, you know, upset about it or sad about no, it. No, as long anything.
2: as you're happy uh, with your life, you're good.
3: Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's a. If you analyze it, it's very uh, could be viewed as sad, um, but I don't. Not if you don't think it is. Yeah, that's all that matters. Mm -hmm. Like
2: if you were depressed or annoyed that your wife held you back from boating or golfing or hiking with your buddies or going out for Friday night beer, whatever, that'd be different. But you don't seem to be that case.
3: Yeah. Now in retirement, I would like to. I have like I would like to you know go out and do actual. You know, backpacking and camping in the woods and all that. Wife was not into that. So does the possibility exist that I may do that with a group, you know, or something? Maybe. But uh, none of my close friends would be into that. And also, like, I can't go by myself because of the the diabetes. Right. The whole thing would be asking for trouble.
2: Does that, with her not interested in doing that, does that...
3: Backpacking, camping in the woods kind of a thing. Right. Hiking, she's good with.
2: But does okay, but that's a big part of what you want to do.
3: Yeah, backpack
2: all that stuff. Yeah, does that change your retire? Like, do you have your retirement date already in your calendar?
3: Uh, tentative one, yes. Really, it's not a hard date for sure. Yeah.
2: And you think you have no problem just walking away because that's coming up soon? I would think, right? For yeah, you, yeah,
3: within within for sure, within four years.
2: Within four years, yeah. I was thinking this the other day because I know Al talks about sixty. Mm-hmm. And I think he'll be 53 this year. Is that right? 54? Uh, 54. 54. So when you look at how fast the boomer and carton decade went. Yeah. And how fast this is flying. Sure. Like though year, those years will be upon us before mm-hmm. we know it, sadly. Yeah. You will have been gone already. Al yeah. will have been gone. I've got to think boomers probably. Yeah. And I'm thinking, what is this then? Mm-hmm. Am I still here with G and whoever they yeah. hire
3: if you yeah is I, I, the
2: show still the same Does it completely di- all of us be and i only from the standpoint of like all right matthew is starting college now well mm-hmm. joseph is still one year in. he's got eighth grade four like i need 10 more years out of this mm-hmm. and most of you guys are gonna be gone
3: yeah potentially yeah but i there's no reason what to think that you would not be part of any sort of new morning show situation with geo and it's
2: just so weird though when you think about how fast the time has gone and how much has been accomplished like think about how long imus was at the radio station Mm -hmm. so he was what around 1990 ish
3: uh the october of or is it 89
2: oh 88 oh i thought it was a little longer than that all right so 88
3: and he would have been here potentially for the start but then there was um he had a rehab situation. Okay. And all that stuff. So
2: he was essentially 20 years, 88 to 07. Mm-hmm. Right? Maybe not, maybe a little shy of 18, yeah. but let's call, it, let's call it a full 19 years. For sure. Well, like Boomer's been sitting here now for 16. Yes. And I think of the IMAX time as like this unbelievably long period of time in radio. And Boomer's going to beat it.
3: And Boomer will probably beat it, I think. And, and he could beat Mike and Chris. He probably He, yeah, won't, I, he, won't, he won't beat Mike.
2: I think of mornings as a little different just because of the grind and mm-hmm. getting up. But you're right. I mean he might, Afternoon was crazy, too, in terms of time. If I ended up sticking around for another eight or nine or ten years, if that's what it turns out to be, I will have surpassed Imus by five or six years. Yeah. And it just, like that. Yeah, it does. Oh.
3: Yeah. It's. Uh, yes. Have
2: you thought about life without this? Sure. Like, uh, for real?
3: Well, no. No, no, no. But I, I, I know I hear you talk about this all the time that, you know, you don't know what you'll do and you'll you'll always want to work. And I, I will have like – and it's almost like, you know, you're fearful, fearful of having nothing to do and you're always going to want to do something. You may drive for Amazon. You may work at Home Depot. I myself will have no problem filling the time with just, you know – reading things or doing stuff around the house or gardening or going on hikes and walking the dogs i am i have no fear of retirement and quote unquote having nothing to do because that will not be the case for me it's a lot of time to fill yeah but i'm i i am i am never bored okay you know i just i'm always like if, if i do have some free time i'll I'll think about something and, and things that may not interest other people, but, you know, whatever, be it something with astronomy, something with evolution, something. I do reading ab- about these different things. See,
2: it's- I think there's that's the difference between us. I find, and I'm, I, I don't don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying reading is a waste of time. That's not what I'm saying. I don't find it productive.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, you're educating yourself and you're becoming a smarter person by absorbing more information. I get all that. But to me I almost look at it as like watching TV or watching a documentary. I'm still learning not television, but if you watch a documentary, sure. you're learning yeah, no. something. I understand. But I also don't feel like I'm accomplishing anything. I for me I
3: Well, but I I don't I'll, know. I I will often research things about dogs that I will then could translate to my daily life. So in a way that's productive because I have dogs and sure. I'm learning about that. I also will uh read a lot about different gardening things and how to grow plants or do this or do this landscaping thing. So then I then translate that to my own yard. And again, it's productive. It's helping me do something. I, I have a, I do not have much ability with like a household repairs, but again in, you know, and I like to have a lot of time to do things, which I don't now, but things that, that I'm unfamiliar with, but in retirement, I will learn about doing household projects even maybe a you know more aggressive project like building a you know a, a deck or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. Something like that that again is productive. And yeah, I, I am not at all afraid to retire. And I could retire tomorrow and I'd be fine. I'll like not financially, but uh, you know, that's why mentally we, you'd be all right. Oh yes,
2: 100%. See, I, yeah, I wouldn't be, but yeah, I we're different. That's all. Yeah.
3: Very. That's why when you say about like, you got to be doing something and you'd be bored and what are you going to do in retirement? Like I, that to me is so foreign, but then my position to you is also foreign. Yes. where I, I'm not at all worried about it.
2: A hundred percent. That's exactly right. Like I know if you tell me like the perfect retirement day, which I like and I, I would enjoy, I just can't do it every day. To me, it would be get up. Go to the golf club, have breakfast, hit balls, four-hour round of golf, have a drink, a little late lunch, go home. At that point, I feel like I've had a Mm -hmm. good day, worked on my game a little bit, productive for me, not for anything else. That's not boring to me. Mm -hmm. But I also know you can't do it every day. You certainly can't do it in the winter.
3: Mm -hmm. And that's where... Unless you move.
2: Unless you move, which until... My kids are willing to, Kim's never moving away from them. That's become clear. She won't move away from her mom, which I understand. They're obviously older now. Um, so I don't even look for other jobs anymore outside of the area. I did for a while, and every time I presented her with one, it <laughs> went nowhere. So mm-hmm. there's really no point in even bothering at that any longer. So that I can find ways to enjoy the day, but not every day. And to me, if any day is like a rainy day and it's sunny outside, that's a waste of my time. Mm-hmm. And I feel like these days are so precious. I don't want to waste them.
3: Yeah, I understand. Yeah, I, I, I don't have that anxiety because I know, I know myself. I know I'll be fine and not yeah. bored and entertained. And
2: I suppose I have a cornhole league I can work on.
3: Sure. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever. You know, if that, if that's what drives you, that's what motivates you. It that's... doesn't.
2: That was that was an accident.
3: Well, no, no. But I'm saying in general, the the activity, the, yeah. the wanting to always do something. Yes. Uh now to me I'll be doing something now whether or not it appeals to anyone else I don't know but I'm I'm good with it.
2: As long as you, again as long as you're good with it and your wife's good with it. Yeah. There's no there's no issue whatsoever. And
3: in terms of like the moving in retirement like we've talked about used to be like a a real thing like maybe it was in your mind but like as now like my wife with her sisters and their kids and the whole thing like she I I can see us never moving. Right? It
2: sounds great 20 years down the road, and then all of a sudden, here it comes. Well, life gets in the way.
3: Yeah, and all four of our, uh, you know, my my parents, her parents are all all gone. But now it's her sisters and the kids. And if we do move, it won't be that far. It'll be, and this is where I want to go anyway. It would be, if we go, it'll be like the Northeast.
2: But I thought you wanted to go like Utah or somewhere like that. Yeah,
3: no, that's out.
2: That's out, but that's what you wanted.
3: Originally, but with all the, you know, the, the... Just looking at all the different weather problems of things that could happen, you know, hurricanes, tornadoes, wildfires, droughts, all that stuff, floods, I think, to me, like the northeast is sort of the best case in in terms of avoiding all that stuff yes
2: i just wish the weather was a little better
3: and that's another difference between us i love the cold and the snow i don't mind that at all well we've been lucky
2: yeah i mean we when we get it we haven't even gotten much of it
3: yeah but i i don't i like i like heavy snowfalls i i you know that's something that i enjoy
2: and if i wasn't commuting to work i agree with you i think it's great and the kids enjoy it it's pretty all that's wonderful i hate driving here I understand. At 2 o'clock in the but morning. we you also and
3: don't it. like the cold weather. And the, I don't like the cold the, weather. Yeah, I, I can
2: deal with it. I don't like it.
3: Yeah. No, I don't like, you know, minus 20 and all that. But, like, if it's, you know, sunny outside and 20 degrees and not a lot of wind, um, to me, that's fine. No problem. I,
2: I think partly for me is it wreaks havoc on a lot of things you that we want to do. So, like, you have a baseball tournament scheduled for oh, a full yes. weekend. And yeah. then you look and it's like you don't even know if you're going to play. Whereas you play ice hockey or basketball, you play. Even football, as long as there's no lightning, you go out there and play. Baseball's a little different. You can't be throwing that ball soaking wet at people's heads at 80 miles an hour. Right. I mean, it's dangerous. And that's
3: another difference between you and I in retirement. Like, you know, you have children and then hopefully uh, one day grandchildren, which I will not. But then that would be something else that could true. Ha- occupy yourself. That is true. You know,
2: uh, My dad and, loves coming to their games.
3: Right, right. And not only that, just helping your sons out with their children and that sort of thing.
2: Well, true. You know, true. That,
3: that's something else that will fill up your time probably a lot more than you think it will at this right now.
2: It might. It might. All right, it wouldn't be a podcast if we don't end up with a, an odd topic. Okay. So this comes from the New York Post. I'm going to read this and get Eddie's take on it in a moment here. Uh, from the New York Post, uh, dated today, it is the secret weapon in a different battle of the bulge, dissolvable penis injectables are you interested
3: injecting and penis usually is an, is a non-starter for me having have to inject myself with various things with the diabetes for 30 years uh, you know the the idea of that that
2: is, is one place i would not want
3: an injection yeah yeah you know believe me like my injections it doesn't like really hurt but it you know pinches and stings and you know the idea of having that in that area yeah you nothing know, so what is dissolvable uh
2: so i'm looking here uh, i read this quickly before um dee, 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 oh, you pulled after receiving multiple filler treatments over several years this guy claims that his uh, penis grew seven inches
3: i might uh, be interested i don't know <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh the procedure is just starting to uh come to light on doctor says uh a lot of people don't even know it exists let's see the co-founder of the treatment uh started in 2020 wow this was a guy who started with his friends and people that he knew well oh my god the guy who started this has 16 franchises nationwide from la to detroit and miami uh let's see here i'm trying to figure out exactly how this works Hyalutonic acid, Mm H-Y-A-L-U-T-O-N-I-C, okay, is a chemical found in an eye and joint fluid, makes it more biocompatible than silicone would with other implants. Um, The advantage of using this acid filler for the procedure are for the safety profile because the acid is naturally in your body. It costs between eleven thousand and twelve and twenty thousand dollars for a full round of treatments. Um, it re- can require ten to, wow. It can require ten to twenty syringes of filler. Uh, the results begin instantly, but the full effects will not be seen for about two weeks. And intercourse is discouraged for forty eight hours after surgery. Surgery? What surgery? I thought you were injecting yourself. And
3: what's dissolvable?
2: I guess the the acid.
3: Oh, okay. So because it
2: comes from the body anyway, right,
3: right, right. But is it like does that mean your your you know your increase will then dissolve and you have to go back?
2: That's a good question. Doesn't say. I mean, so I can't read some of this stuff, but um, yeah, there's no way you're gaining seven inches. I, I would. There's no yeah, way. That,
3: that seems like a little bit of snake oil. Situation. All
2: right. So basically, what they're saying is you can gain an extra inch during three to four treatment sessions that are spaced three weeks apart. So you will will grow about a quarter of an inch mm-hmm. each treatment. Mm-hmm. And then, as it's written in the article, this behemoth bulge can last approximately three years with maintenance.
3: With maintenance means, yeah, you got to keep shooting it up.
2: Annual upkeep injections. Yeah. yeah there and, you go. And,
3: and, and seven inches? That's That seems like... But what I don't... Yeah, I don't understand.
2: I don't... Does it only work upon arousal?
3: I, yeah, I, uh, yeah. This I is bizarre. Think, I would think not, but...
2: All right, so you're out for the penis filler?
3: Uh Yeah, most likely. The way you've described it here, it seems a little sketchy to me.
2: But if it was seven inches, you'd be in.
3: I might be interested, yeah.
2: <laughs> Very interesting. So if you want to read that article, the New York Post, if you're interested in uh, penile enlargement. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, I think we're done. Okay. So that does it for us for the week, but we do have the warm-up show tomorrow, which I think will be like today, where I will do the first 40 minutes, and then we'll get Zoo in for the uh, the last segment, assuming he's filling in uh, yes, for Al again. I,
3: I saw that happen uh, towards the end of the show. Okay. Once we got the Al diagnosis.
2: So that's a done deal. Uh,
3: yeah. Now, all right. And with Al, I wonder... I don't know. Like, I did get every single booster that's been available. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he did. I don't, I don't think that. he
2: ever got a booster. Okay, I think he got the one shot and that was it. I got one booster.
3: Yeah, well, not I that did. I know Just that it did anything. Situation, I, you know. Yeah, I, I, they told me it recommended. I understand. And, I know. And so there's a lot
2: of controversy with that now too. And there's a whole bunch of stuff. going
3: yeah, on. Yeah, I know. I, I but I listen. I I trust vaccines. And and when that new one in the fall is available, commingled with the annual flu vaccine which I get every year. What new fall one? I think there's going to be a new booster in the fall. Uh, Just another COVID booster. And they might have it in the same shot as your flu.
2: I've never gotten a flu shot. Uh,
3: Yeah, well, again.
2: No, I know. I know. I
3: know. I understand.
2: I probably should because I get the flu every other year and it's terrible.
3: Yeah. But I don't know. Uh, Yeah, well, you know, I have have no problem with vaccines. And a vaccine gave me diabetes. So there you go. Very good point. Yeah. Which is nuts.
2: Yeah. That's for another time though. Mm-hmm. you talk about taking something that happened terribly to you in stride. Very impressive.
3: Oh, thank you. That was twenty nine years ago. Unbelievable.
2: When you had brown
3: hair. Uh yes, correct.
2: Much darker than it is now. Oh but yeah. you still have hair, you jerk. I do. I do
3: have it. It is thinner.
2: It is thinner, but not like mine. But
3: I and I also think the white is just thinner for some reason. Yeah, it could be. Or it just looks thinner. Could be. I don't
2: know. Think about how much younger you'd look if your hair was brown.
3: Uh, yeah, but I'm not a dyeing the hair kind of guy. No, I, no, no, I wouldn't do that either. I think that looks ridiculous.
2: Yes, usually it does. No unless offense. you start it when yeah. your hair is you still your hair color, but still, and it blends in.
3: Well, but when you're when you're 60 something, it kind of you know, yeah, you yes,
2: you, you know. look like you're wearing a rug.
3: Yeah, well, mm. or just it just doesn't look natural. No offense, boomer. Okay. <laughs> All right,
2: let's end there. Yeah. Um thank you very much for filling in. Coming up next we'll be the warm up show with myself and then Zoo and then I'm back tomorrow morning at 5, whole show at 6 minus al uh, do the thing. See
1: Talk New York sports with us. 877 337 6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit superbook.com. Good
2: morning, campers.
1: Alan Jerry. Don't worry, it's only an hour long, and most days it doesn't suck.
2: All right, here we go. It's 5.02. It's Thursday morning. Nice to see you, the Eddie Scazzeri, and Good to see you across from me. is the handsome son of a He's got the No, he's not here. Uh, <laughs> Al is, yes, he's not here. I believe for the first time since I've been uh, doing this shift since 2009 full-time, I think this is the first time that Al's called out sick. Eddie, is that true? I would agree. Right? Aside from planned surgery or procedures, even with the, um, the hernia surgery, he came in with things looking like an eggplant, as he said. Um, he was here. Yep. So, yeah. So, Al, who when he came in yesterday morning, and we're going to get to Domingo Hermann in just a moment. When Al came in yesterday, he was back from Indianapolis, and he said to me, you know, I never get sick. I also never go anywhere. Got off the plane, came in yesterday. His throat, he said, was on fire. And then I woke up this morning to a text, which is amazing to me that he sent it so late at 9.30 last night. Uh, that's how bad he was feeling with a fever. So Al is out. He will be back tomorrow, maybe. Um, what's interesting, though, is these are the types of days that I think Al would have loved because he always says if it happened out in California and we're sleeping, did it really happen? He also talks about how... Perfect games. Well, I guess no hitters more so, he says, not that special. So perfect game last night for Domingo Herman. Now think this. And I was curious when I woke up. I couldn't wait to get in here and to, to watch the last five innings like I did. Because, um, you know, at the 940 start, there was no way I was up watching this live. And so you wake up, and the first thing you do is you grab your phone, and you want to see number one. I fell asleep right at. I could. I can't take these Mets pitchers going less than six innings, but whatever. We're going to get to that in a couple of minutes. Mets lose again. Uh, the last thing I saw uh, last night before the eyes shut was the Brewers taking the lead in the sixth inning. Um, and you're thinking, oh, well, the Mets are losing, whatever. Well, the Yankees are playing later. Um, and my last thought was, there's no way they would lose a second straight game to the A's. Nah, can't happen. But then I thought... You know Domingo Herman, while has had really good flashes this year, his last couple of starts have not been good, and so you start to think in terms of Herman. Matter of fact, his last two starts are terrible. Uh, in terms of Herman, you're like, well, maybe he can give the Yankees six or seven innings, and they can string together some runs, and they can even up this series against a bad baseball team. So you wake up, you go to your phone, and you go to check out the final scores, and you see Yankees eleven nothing, and you see yeah, the Mets lost five two, whatever. And then you look a little deeper, and I. All I wanted to do was I wanted to see how deep in the game Herman went. And the first thing I see was when I clicked on the box score, still not seeing the game recap, just the box score, I see, wow, nine innings. And then I immediately looked over to the right side of the box score because I wanted to see a nine-inning game. How far over 100 pitches did he go? He didn't. I see 99 and 70-something for strikes. I'm like, damn. And then all of a sudden, I noticed the zeros. No hits, no walks, and now I've got to all of a sudden Google Domingo Herman in perfect game, and there it was. And I, as I said, I came in this morning, did a lot of my work, and got to watch, and I did it differently. I didn't watch Ruco on Yes because I did hear those calls coming in. I actually watched the A's broadcast, the beauty of MLB.TV. If, you have, if you're a subscriber, it is phenomenal the way you can go back and watch these things. So I go back and I watch the last five innings uh, on the A's telecast. I know Dallas Braden's there. I don't know who the play by play guy is, but I will tell you this. They did an outstanding job. You would have never known. I would say it sounded more like a national broadcast more so than it did an A's broadcast because the energy they had was phenomenal. Matter of fact, in the eighth inning, when it was, I think it was Jonah Bride. So, two, was it two outs? There's two outs in the eighth inning, and Herman is perfect, and Bride comes up, and it's a 2 0 count immediately. Then Herman throws a strike, and then he, he's he's off on the fourth pitch. It's 3-1. They were ready, and immediately they're telling you that is the uh, only the second three-ball count of the night for Herman. So, you know, a lot of players will tell you that you get nervous in the later innings. They kind of realize it in the fifth inning, maybe 15 up, 15 down, or they got a no-hitter into the sixth, and you start to get a little bit antsy or anxious or nervous or whatever word you want to use. Well, if Herman was ever going to be anxious or nervous, it would have been right there. 3-1, bride up, and what does he do? He gets bride, retires him, and you're going to the ninth inning. And then the other thing I'm thinking, too, is if you're a player on the team, you've got to feel some sense of responsibility to not screw up in that spot because the no-hitter is phenomenal, but a perfect game. So I looked this up. 24 all-time, fourth in Yankee history, 24th all-time. Eddie, if I ask you really, you're guys are, but you guys look like you're having a meeting in there. If I ask you right now how many games have been played in the history of Major League Baseball, you would say, top of your head,
3: 89,000.
2: Okay, I thought about 100,000, and I was way off, as are you. There have been over 235,000 Major League Baseball games played in the history of this sport and only 24 perfect games. That is the type of rarefied air that
3: Domingo Herman now finds himself in. And also, you were listening to Dallas Braden, who is Through, one of those guys. Correct. Which right. was in-
2: but I don't know who the play-by-play, because it was Ken Carash, I believe, for a while. Well, he was the radio guy. Anyhow, it doesn't matter, whoever the TV play-by-play. He was very good, though. Um, so, yeah, so 24 out of 235,000. Like, that's what we're talking about. And then you take it one further. Now, obviously, the odds aren't quite as crazy when you're just looking at one franchise, but there's only only four guys in the history of the Yankees to do this. Now, I know the Mets have never thrown a perfect game. They're lucky they have the one no hitter, and some will argue about that because of the ball on the line, all that fine. But four. So you've got Don Larson, David Cohn, David Wells, and now clearly if your name starts with a D in Yankee history, you got a chance to throw a perfect game. Domingo Herman does it last night. And so the next thing I start thinking about is all right, so where does this come from? Like, Herman. Oh, to finish the thought. When you're talking about the guys being nervous, there was a ground ball up the middle, a little to Volpe's left, that you're thinking, "Oh, could you imagine sitting out there? You're a rookie on the Yankees. You haven't hit the ball great this season, but you've played, you played all right at shortstop. You've had flashes of brilliance. You've had some terrible games, too. But for the most part, you've been good. You've been solid out there at shortstop. Not great, not terrible, somewhere in between. All good for a 22-year-old, however old he is. Well, you're sitting there in the eighth inning, you get to the late innings of these games, and you've got to be thinking, don't screw up. I mean, at some point, and I know pro athletes don't think that way, but, you know, listen to Kyle Higashioka afterwards. I think that does creep into your mind. And I think it's one thing if you're an outfielder. Catching a fly ball is a fly ball. But, and I don't mean on the run. I mean a routine fly ball like the one to Bader, uh, which I'm getting all the innings confused. I think let off the ninth inning, but whatever. Then you get the ground ball. Um, to Volpe, which I'm like I'm talking about, but then you've also got Donaldson, the XA, who made to win it. It's a sharp hit ball. It was a one hop line drive that he stabs, throws over, ball game over. The only thing it's missing, and this is not a knock against Justin Shackle, the only thing it was missing was John Sterling, who didn't make this trip. I thought Shackle did a great job. The final out sounded outstanding. Um, but it does take away a little bit when you're used to having John Sterling in those moments making the final call. Uh, to hear it from someone else I thought was it was different. So here you go. This was Justin Shackle. And the beauty of this too, uh, the beauty of this was after he gets the first out in the ninth inning, the next two outs on two pitches. First pitch swinging by both guys, and here is the final out as Heard on the fan. Eddie. Domingo hurt Third, Donaldson's up with it. He
1: throws the first. Domingo Herman has pitched a perfect game. For the fourth time in the history of the New York Yankees, perfection attained.
2: Yeah, so that was Justin Shackle with the final out there uh, right here on the fan. Here was Ryan Rucco on Yes. Domingo
1: Herman!
3: the 24th perfect game in baseball history
2: all right that's more of the commentary of it after the final out but i want to give you just because i i really thought they did a great game this was the a's telecast of the final out for Herman.
5: As the just swung on head on one hop to donaldson the into first he has done it domingo herman has won the 24th perfect game in major league history and he is being mobbed by his teammates incredible a perfect game for Herman from the first pitch of the ball game Domingo Herman showed you things were working well fastball curveball changeup everything was on its best behavior tonight for Domingo
2: Herman and another thing that stood out again that's A's TV with the call another thing that stood out watching the game the last few innings and again I was watching the A's telecast this morning just to get a different perspective They did a a really good job as well of showing all the Yankee fans out there. Now, I know Yankee fans are everywhere. I get it. It's a global product, a global logo, all of that. Totally understood. But this place was overrun by Yankee fans, especially in the last few innings. And you sit there and almost wonder if you're an A's fan, and I know there aren't a lot of them out there going to games right now because they are on the move to Vegas, which we know, and they've been a bad team. And now with that loss, they're 21-61, and I believe. As they've come halfway. Can you imagine playing 82 games? Well, more than halfway. They've come they've played eighty two games, they've only won twenty-one of them. That's how bad they've been. And you wonder if they leave. You know, sixth inning, they're getting crushed. They wind up losing eleven nothing. You almost forget what the final score was, but this game was never in doubt. The Yankees clobbered them. And, you know, you might think it's seven nothing. Yeah, perfect game, but how often does that happen? We just told you twenty four to two hundred and thirty five thousand doesn't happen often. And you, you start to think, were they gone and it was just Yankee Stadium West? Because that's what it sounded like. And the TV telecast really did a good job of showing you uh, all the Yankee fans that were in that building. So a very cool night for Domingo Herman. And the other thing I was getting to, and then I cut myself off, was, so where does this come from? Well, you know where it comes from? It comes from the flashes that we have seen from him. Now, the last two games, I pulled up the game logs. The last two games were horrendous for him. You know, you look at the game against Seattle, he gives up 10 runs over three and a third. Prior to that was that terrible game in Boston at Fenway Park where he gave up seven runs in two innings. But this is where you look at the track record in terms of the entire season. Prior to that, he gives you six innings, only one run. You know, 86 pitches, all good, fine. Prior to that, six and two-thirds, he allows one run. They beat Seattle in the game before that. However, he did give up four runs, but they scored a bunch, so it was fine. Then you've got two runs over six, two runs over five, one run over six and a third. For the most part, while he has been up and down, and he has been up and down at times, there's no doubt. Just look at last night compared to the previous two games. He has shown you flashes of brilliance. We've always said the stuff's there. We know he's got the ability to do that and be a, be a top-of-the-rotation type of starter. But what he gave you last night was just outstanding from the word go to the point where your A's broadcasters told you at the end you could see that he was locked in from the beginning. And one other thing before we just do and not much, just a couple minutes on the Mets, and again, four calls. Four calls, 877-337-6666, coming up in the middle segment, and Big Zoo will join me in the final segment. Um, one thing that I thought was cool that Aaron Boone pointed out that might have even helped Herman. To achieve this, the pitch clock. How about that? It kept him in rhythm. It kept a good pace to the game. There was no nonsense from the batters where they call timeout, where they're walking around for 10 minutes. There was no overthinking, walking around behind the mound. The pitch clock. It keeps the game moving. And last night, it moved really well for Domingo Herman, who throws the perfect game, the fourth in the history of the New York Yankees, which is kind of cool. Um, One other thing before I just do a moment on the Mets. I just want to see, because I'm very curious. We talk about the pitch clock and the effect that it has had on these games, and clearly it has. I mean, if you're watching these games, you can absolutely tell that the games are different. The games move. A three-hour game has basically become a rarity at this point. So if I look at time of game last night, two hours and 30 minutes on the screws. That's what we're talking about. That's pretty good. And he throws the perfect game. All right, real quick on the Mets before we take a break and we get to your calls, 877-337-6666. Um, so Steve Cohen speaks yesterday. I caught a good portion of this. I didn't, wasn't able to get all of it. I'm still going through some of it, but I caught a good portion of it live yesterday. And he said everything I thought he was going to say. Buck ain't going nowhere. It's on the players. We need a president of baseball operations, completely frustrated, understands the fans' frustrations, but also gave you the other side, which is what we were talking about. I guess it was Monday uh, I was discussing the point. Uh, maybe it was with G the other day when he basically said, sell me on why the season's not over. And the only thing I could come up with was the fact that you got maybe, because Quintana started to the rehab games, Perhaps he comes back, gives that rotation a little jolt. You've got much better starts for Scherzer. Maybe Verlander gets it. Um, and he even referenced Quintana as well. I will tell you, watching even last night, Senga, while he uh, he's a good pitcher, he's fine. And he's been much better at home than he's been on the road. With the way the Mets bullpen has been taxed, it is just unbelievable to me how these guys cannot throw six innings. And I'm not saying they lost the game because of this, but the stats are what the stats are. And when the starters are routinely not getting you deep into games, this bullpen is shot. I mean, this kid Hartwig goes in yesterday, and he gives up right off the bat. You get the leadoff double in the sixth. And if you're a Met or a Met fan that was in that building or watching, here was the thought. Game over. Game over. Now, I know they got the line drive, and next thing you know, he pokes the ball to the left. Now it's 3-2. Now you really think the game's over because you also have no confidence that the bullpen's going to keep it there at 3-2. So if we don't feel that way, if med fans don't feel that way, if the broadcasters probably don't feel that way, why in the hell are the guys in the field feeling that way or not feeling that way? It just sucks all the life out of you. And so you've got Scherzer going tonight. He was real good in Philadelphia over the weekend. And again, here's a series the Mets don't win and have to get a victory tonight to salvage a split. If Max Scherzer cannot go out there and give the Mets seven or eight innings, which I'm expecting he will, then I don't even know what to say anymore. I mean, you're just you're watching these games, and it's, it's, it's almost torturous. You know, on one hand, we're talking about Domingo Harmon. He threw 99 pitches last night. 72 of them went for strikes. Think about that ratio. 72 pitches, 99 for strikes. It Really, it's remarkable. It's absolutely remarkable what he did. And then you look at Sanga, who goes five innings, and I know he labored to start. 102 pitches and only 59 for strikes. It's just, it's unwatchable. Forget the winning or the losing. That is unwatchable baseball. It's too much. It's just too much. So, Cohen speaks. Not a whole lot changes. Uh, We will see going forward. The Mets are going to hit the midway point with this game tonight. Uh, Right now, 36-44, and not what they expected. We will see if they can turn things around starting this evening with Max Scherzer. I don't believe they will, but you never know. That's why they play the games. Take a quick break. Four calls coming up next in Big Zoo in the final segment right here on The Fan. All right, warm-up show till 6 o'clock. Al is out sick, so we go solo until uh, Zoo joins me in a little while. Uh, Four calls here in just one second. Just two quick updates. Number one, uh, I got the stitches out yesterday, so that was good. I feel like I look more like Jeff Van Gundy now that I haven't slept. The black eyes are starting to dissipate. And then one other thing. If there's any above-ground pool owners out there, call Zoo for me and help me out with this. So every time I turn my filter on, it's a cartridge filter, not a sand filter. Sand comes into the pool from somewhere. Please explain that to me because I can't figure it out. So here's where I'm at. Drain the pool to try and find, I figure there was a hole on the bottom part of the liner somewhere. So that when the filter turns on, it's sucking sand from underneath the bottom. I can't find a cut, a slit, a hole anywhere. And I don't know what to do. I got a guy for you, bro. You got a guy. I got a guy. One of my best friends open pools his entire life. Does he take? Does he maintain pools?
5: Uh he probably could.
2: Uh, uh, we're gonna talk then. All right, because it's driving me nuts. I turn the f- the filter's phenomenal. It's a cartridge filter. It's powerful. Ooh. But for the last year, you turn it on after after you vacuum it. It's clean. It's beautiful. And then within literally two minutes, there's sand on the bottom of the floor, and you got to vacuum it again. It's frustrating.
5: Yeah, that's that's weird. It, it almost sounds like you might even have. Like, maybe, a, nah, there's nothing spewing out of the outside of it, no. right? Nothing out of the hoses or anything?
2: No. Yeah, that's weird. That's the voice of Zoo. He's going to help me with that. Right now, four calls. Four calls. I imagine a lot on the Yankees. Here is Chris in the Jersey Shore. What's up, Chris? Good morning.
0: Hey, Jerry. How you doing, bud?
2: I'm good. Where down the Jersey Shore are you? Uh,
0: down in Seabright. Nice. So, now a little bit north of, uh, of, uh, of your boy. So, oh, um, I know where
2: it is. I used know, to work. I... Remember when the golf station was there? Oh, yeah. 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 Used to work there.
0: I'm nice, I'm right across from Donovan. So, uh, cool. Maybe one day we'll go we'll catch up for a cocktail. But, uh, but I got to tell you, I was watching this game last night. Luckily, I had we had uh, uh, relatives visiting from the west coast. So I normally wouldn't stay up to watch it mm. at 9:40 Yankee game, but I did last night, and I'm so happy I did because, you know, as I was saying before yesterday, my buddy and I are big Yankee fans. We're, we're talking about how uninteresting this team has become, yeah. and in a matter of 12 hours, that's changed. Right? They're, they're yeah. watching this kid. And the thing that stuck out to me, I was just saying before, the thing that stuck out to me most about that game last night is these, these Yankees haven't hit all year. And all of a sudden, they decide to have two innings of like 20 minute innings. And this kid's watching, sitting there, thinking about no hitters, no hitters, perfect games,
2: having to watch
0: all of a sudden hit, hit, hit. Yeah. Actually, I think he actually warmed up in the bullpen during, the game, during an inning. Well, and, Bo- and, and
2: Boone alluded to that long you know, break basically because he was in such rhythm the entire night. And the fact that he was able to get out there and just keep it going was pretty damn impressive.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, the kid has had, you just don't know what term you're going to get, right? He's had games that are are, are amazingly good. And then they've like the last two have been clunkers. I'm just happy for the kid. You know, he did say at the end, at the end, the post, game, I'm not sure if you watch this, that he had a relative pass yes, away. This his week, uncle. And, you know. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, you got to feel
2: good for this kid. Yep. Um, uh, Chris, you're dead on and appreciate the call, and uh, maybe I will see you down there in Seabright for sure this summer. Uh, everything you say, spot on. Absolutely. Get through the break. He was okay. Uh, Continue doing what he was doing. It was emotional for him with the passing of his uncle, I think he said a few days ago or maybe last week. And, yes, he's been up and down. But when he's been good, he has been lights out. Andrew in Fork and River, you're next up on The Fan, The Warm-Up Show. What's up, Andrew?
0: What's going on, Jerry my man? How's the face?
2: How you doing? I'm okay, like I said, I got the stitches out and I look like Jeff van Gundy now. I'm all right.
0: that's good. so uh on a side note, I got a little golf outing that we started uh Thursday night league. I'm playing a shout out to the team koalas down in the LBI <laughs> national remember
2: where I'm do you play North down or or by L-, L but where do you play down by LBI? There's no courses on LBI and more so c c yeah
4: yep
2: okay, very cool.
4: Yeah, so, uh, you know, the perfect game. It's awesome.
0: Uh, Domingo, it shows that, you know, he can do it. But, you know, the only downside about it is, you know, it shows how good they can be. And, you know, I mean, and John – didn't have the call i know and
2: justin shackle andrew did a great job i really thought that uh, justin's call was was terrific i thought ryan rucos was very good the ace tv call was very good too i think across the board they did a nice job yeah i mean you know it's interesting when we talk about uh when we talk about how good or bad or boring the yankees have been um you saw it last night the offense was alive stanton hits the home run does a good job offensively when he didn't the night before. You get the, not really good, but the unbelievable effort from Herman. I wonder this. We talk a lot here about teams being boring. and The Mets have been boring this year. They have. They don't score runs. It's a lot of the home run ball. The Yankees are a lot of the home run ball. Last night it wasn't. They scored in bunches of ways. It wasn't just hitting the home run. I actually wonder if fans around baseball think the same thing. Because it's so much home runner bust across the league that I wonder. Now, they're setting attendance records this year, so that's a good thing. And I don't know that a team like the Marlins is like that. I don't know if a team like the Braves is like that. I know the Rangers hit a lot of home runs, but they also have a lot of extra base hits. So you take a few of the teams out of the mix. I wonder if most fans would think that the game has become boring just from the standpoint of the amount of strikeouts that we see on a day-to-day, game-to-game basis. And if you don't hit the home run ball, you don't win. I mean, if you look at the Mets from two nights ago, the Mets won because they hit four home runs. Just fact. You know, we can talk about David Peterson going six innings all we want, and that certainly factored into it. But they hit four home runs. Last night, they do next to nothing. They score two runs, and that's it. And they leave guys on base. Not a great product. Rob and Lake success. What's up, Rob? Jerry, a
1: blessing to talk to one of the greats over here. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. Listen, I got to tell you, I'm so blessed that I got to stay up and watch this. This is why I watch sports, man, Jerry. Yeah. Listen, You watch the inept Nets, okay? Thankfully, Cohen is. He's got patience. The man. Everybody's a fan wants to fire everybody. They want to change things instantaneously. He realizes there's issues going on, but he's sitting tight. He says, listen, we got to feel it out. But getting to what I saw last
2: night. He also, Rob, real quick, he also has a plan. And that's the one thing I've been saying for the last few weeks is that he is not thinking about this year and this year only. He's thinking long-term with this team.
1: That's, and, that, and, and that's what fans have to think about. But, listen, I remember watching Dave Rigetti in 83, and then you had Doc Gordon. I mean, all these in there, all the perfect games with the Yankees as well are all these, yep. John, Dave, Dave, and Domingo. I mean, but what we were watching last night was just even the Pacers. 10 runs he gives up the previous outing, he was brilliant. What we saw last night, Jerry, I don't know if you got to see it. You know, you go to bed early. I'm just like, I can't believe this. It's four times in Yankee history. Yeah. Perfect games in the last one. I mean, I remember the one uh, with, with Boomer in '98 you know, with Wells, and then you got '99 against Montreal. I mean, I saw that. It was on a Sunday. Uh, it, that was Yogi Berry day. Uh, the, not Yogi Berry day, but I think it was he came back to the stadium that day and Don Lawson, and they get in the pitch. perfect game. It, it was unbelievable. It, it's just something uh, I'll remember the rest of my life. And it's just great to see historic things. You might never see another one for 20, 25 years. And the allure of the Yankees, Jerry, in over a hundred and, what are they, 1903 with the Highlanders? Right. You've got four of the 24 perfect games that they own. And even the no-it-is, I mean, you know, they're so rare. They're, it's why we watch sports.
2: Yeah. Jerry, you got it. Rob, great great hearing from you. And you're absolutely right. You never know what you're going to see. And last night you end up with a perfect game from Herman who was locked in and had command from the word think about this and i know it was only 27 it's 27 up 27 down he faces 27 batters and he only had two three ball counts and one comes with two outs in the bottom of the 8th inning i mean you want to talk about locked in unbelievable now i watched to answer um to answer your question i watched the last 5 innings on ace tv this morning when i when i came in And so I just, it was a pleasure to watch it. really was very, um, very sharp. There's no other word for it. Just sharp and in control. That was the thing you got to, is that the moment never seemed too big for him as he went. He can tell you he was nervous. And I'm not saying he wasn't sitting there waiting for the ninth inning to, to get back out there to get the final three outs. I'm sure he was. At least felt the butterflies a little bit. But I tell you, you couldn't tell watching him. When he was out there on the mound in that final inning, he looked as locked in as he was in the first inning, the fourth inning, the sixth inning, and he looked determined. Pretty, pretty cool. All right, final of the four calls this morning. Brett in Long Island. Good morning, Brett. How are you?
4: Hey, Jerry. Good morning. How are you?
2: Good, man. What's going on?
4: I don't know what's more amazing,
2: the perfect game
4: or – Al not missing a day in uh, fourteen years. So well, you know, well, no, no, calling in sick at he, last minute.
2: Too. He did. He did miss a couple of days for procedures, but this is the first time calling out sick. Still pretty impressive, we
3: think. By the way, Fleagues and I were. We seem to remember there might have been one other time. Okay, but we'll have to check with Al. When, fair enough. When he comes back, fair enough. Go ahead, still, Brett.
4: Still, still amazing. Though, but uh, yes, just quickly before I get to my point. Uh, It's a small world. I just came back from vacation, Florida, talking to a guy who knew everything about sports, grew up in Staten Island. Mm. His son grew up with you, had nothing but amazing things to talk about you. He said Mm. that he went to high school. This was the father. He said that you were a great baseball player and a great football player, which I didn't know you even played football. Like no, that. I was not a great and, football and, player. Well, yeah, and he said you were a hard worker, like pump gas by the high school. The guy's name, he told me, if you ever talk to Jerry, you know, tell him Gene Smith is his name. So wow. He had so many nice things. To, if he know that
2: name, he... crap. Wow. I haven't heard okay. that name in a long time. That's awesome. Yeah,
4: he... I know. So I just want to let you know he wanted to find his way to reach out to you, and there it is.
2: That's um, tremendous.
4: Okay, last thing. As far as the uh, perfect game, you could almost argue that might be the most historic perfect game because it's a modern-day perfect game. And with analytics, how many guys – you know, look at your stats. How many guys are pulled after the sixth inning, seventh inning? They pull you now. I mean – you almost have to have like you only had ninety nine pitches. Exactly. Right now, that's what saved them.
2: Right. The question would be, the, yeah, you too, Brett. The, the, I appreciate the call and thanks for relaying that message. The question I would have, and this has come up, this has come up numerous times now. We have seen guys. I can't think who the pitcher on the White Sox was. <sighs> Came out of the game with the with the no hitter at Yankee Stadium a couple of weeks ago. Doesn't matter. You get the point. Had Herman been at ninety nine pitches through. Let's say 99 pitches through six. So he's averaging 33 per three. That would project to about 130. Do they let him go? Now, this ain't a no-hitter, which I still think you'll let him go. This is a perfect game. And we'll never get that answer because his pitch count was so low last night. That's how good he was. But to your point, it's definitely different. Because we have seen and we saw, we've seen Clayton Kershaw being taken out of games with no hitters. Again, I can't think of his name. The the kid from the White Sox a couple of weeks ago, but it's happened numerous times. No hitter doesn't matter. You're out. Perfect game would be interesting, wouldn't it? Who knows? All right, five thirty-eight. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we will be joined by Big Zoo, who's filling in for Al this morning, and then we have got Boomer and Gio coming up at six o'clock right here on the Fan. Hey, real quick before we uh, bring in Zoo, um, you're familiar with Sarah Walsh, Eddie, yes? Right, Sarah? So she, I guess, was filling in an NFL network, and she went off on, I guess, her husband or her fiancé, whatever, telling her or asking her if he could play golf one of these days. It's only going to be three and a half hours. And she goes off on the notion of a three and a half hour golf round, that it doesn't exist. (laughs) Ah, Sarah, you're wrong. I played a three and a half hour round two weeks ago. Now, what I didn't do was the drinks after, like she's talking about, and the, and the meals and the, the post-round food. I didn't do that. But a three-and-a-half-hour golf round does exist. So, that's, so that
3: is, would be considered on the shorter end? Yeah, it's
2: on the shorter end. And we're going to play the audio coming up at 6.30. That's why I'm bringing it to your
3: attention. We'll play it coming up 6.30 or 7.30. What is an average round?
2: I would say the average round is probably four hours. A long round is four-and-a-half. That I means you're waiting at every hole of tee off for the most part. Three and a half is what it should be. If everybody moves and you're not being held up, that's what golf should take, about three and a half hours. But four is probably about about right, I would say. So we'll have that audio coming up for you, either 6.30 or 7.30. All right. Ed R. Zuman joins us now. they known as Big Zoo around these parts. Oh, hi there, Jerry. Uh, so you got the call what time, about 9.30 last night?
5: Uh, just about, I think, maybe a minute or two earlier. But uh, I saw it at about 9.30. I texted David back at 9.30, I think.
2: Well, we're happy Ooh. to have you here. So, I'm happy right, to so be here. I know you, you're a Met
5: guy, right? You're not a Yankee guy? I am a Met guy. All right,
2: so let's take it from this perspective then. You've been to a million games, I'm sh- I'm sure.
5: Oh, grew up 10 minutes from the stadium.
2: Have you ever been close to seeing a perfect game? Uh, for By the Mets? Clo- well, for
5: whoever. It doesn't matter who. I saw a no-hitter. You did? I saw... Fr- the guy was a nobody, but he he threw a no-hitter. He was for the Giants. It was in 2015. So
2: when you're watching that, is that... Like, is there a buzz in the stadium? Like, it's noticeable?
5: I was, uh... I was cheering for the no-hitter. Okay. This was the point in 2015 where it was pre-Cespedes trade. Like, John Mayberry was batting cleanup. I was like, you know what? Embarrass him. I was like, and I get to see a no hitter. Right. I was I was unpopular in my section, but I was I was giving it some juice.
2: But I gotta tell you, I don't remember this. Chris Heston, yeah, threw a no hitter for the Giants at City Field. Oh, it was crazy. It was, I don't. I remember the night. I don't remember that at all. He it, hit three batters. Yep, but threw a no hitter. Wow.
5: It was one of those where you're sitting there and you're like, it's Is this really? You're like, is this see, really happening? <laughs> you
2: know what's funny about that though? A no hitter is a no hitter. Never gonna take it away from Oh, them. yeah. But a no-hitter where you're hitting guys, now here now I gotta pull up the box score to find this out. When you when you hit guys and you're walking, it doesn't feel the same. No, not at all. And I know that's the difference in a perfect game and a no-hitter. I get it. But it's one thing if you go nine innings, no hits, couple of walks, fair yeah, enough. Two, three walks. When you walk four guys and hit two. I don't know, and there's traffic on the bases. Yeah, there's it a couple errors.
5: You know, there's a couple errors that they gave you some benefits of a doubt on. Right. I'm, I'm, I, you know, I, I'm yeah, pulling up. I don't want to. I don't want to go down the road that I was about to go down, but
2: no, it's okay. So I'm pulling up the box score here. So Hest, I cannot believe I do not remember this at all,
5: which oh. is crazy. It's such an, it's such a forgettable. I take no it error. back.
2: So he hit two batters, did not walk one. So that's, you know what, that's legit, and he struck out eleven.
5: Yeah,
2: he was mowing them wow. down. That yep. is unbelievable. What
5: was the Mets lineup that night? Was that was that, um, that hatch would still been like John Mayberry? Here are your starting Eric lineups. Eric Campbell.
2: Uh, let's see. Yes, you are. You're almost. Yeah, you're right. So, Murphy in the top of the lineup. So, right. Granderson. Uh, here are your top four: Granderson, Tejada, Ooh. Duda, Michael Kadair was the Mike was Kedire. the cleanup. That was, hitter. that was pre-retirement. Wow. Then you had Wilmer Flores batting fifth. Juan Ligaris. Oof. Very good call on Eric Campbell. Who oh. started at third base? The catcher
5: was it? uh Was uh, okay. So this was the year they went. Was it Tolley? No,
2: Anthony Wrecker. The wrecking ball. And he was the catcher and the pitcher who lost that game that night, or at least was the pitcher. Yeah, he lost. Was Noah Sundergaard. Okay, that gave up four. Gave up four runs on ten hits, and even he went six innings. Oh. Holy God! All right, can you give me? Give me. You clearly remember this. You knew it was a no name. Let's take Brandon Crawford.
3: Off the the board, because
2: we know he's been there forever. Can you give me three other Giants in the starting lineup that night? Was Evan Longoria there yet? No, not yet. I think he was still with the Rays in 15. Okay. Yeah, Longoria, yes, absolutely. Oh, so Angel Pagan is definitely there. Angel Pagan is there, yes. He was playing center field. That's correct. That's one. Buster Posey. That's two. And uh, let me think, Brandon Bell. Yes, that's three. Those are the three I thought you'd get. Here are the other ones. Nori Aoki. Oh, he had a good little run. Joe Panic. Solid. Very good player. St. John's. Pagan, Posey, and Belt, middle of the order, with Crawford batting sixth. And then, which I do remember him, I just wouldn't have thought of him. Matt Duffy was the third baseman. <sighs> Justin Maxwell, wherever that is, played wow. right field, and Chris Heston, through I know it I do not remember that.
5: Yeah, Justin Maxwell is a random name too. I mean
2: Right, Justin wow. who's more <laughs> random there, Eric Campbell or Justin Maxwell?
5: Uh for us, I mean Eric Campbell was the second coming for a little while. It felt for like they were very trying to pump the Ugh. a very little while. Yeah, when he was bat- when it was him batting fifth and uh, John Mayberry batting cleanup. And- so you're how old? I am 27. I'll be 28 in December.
2: Twenty 20- So you really don't have any recollection, clearly, of Cohn or Wells then. No, no, none right. at all. Right. So how about the um, how about the Fernandez? What's his name? Um, what's his name? That just did it last. Felix-, uh, Felix Hernandez. Felix Hernandez. You have any recollection of that from whatever it was, 11 years ago? I.
5: I can probably remember the moment, but I remember more specifically because that was graduating high school pretty much time. There were perfect game, no hitters, like every other day it felt like at that point. Well, I think they had eight in like a four-year span or something.
2: I, and I think, I would have to look at this. I heard someone say this, that there were a couple of perfect games that year mm-hmm. and we haven't had one since now.
5: I remember that more because I remember being like, wow. Like whatever it was, two or three that ended up happening and one of them might have been... Dallas Braden
2: might have been that year. Might have been that year. That's pre- I'm, I'm pulling them all up right um, now just so we have are so clear. Yeah, here. there
5: were random ones. There were bad ones. It was it was one of those uh, it was one of those things where you're starting to look and you're like, okay, is a perfect game going to still mean this in ten years? And
2: all right, we- so here's the list. Here's the list. So that the- year there were three: Felix Hernandez, Matt Cain, Matt Cain. Yep, he did it. Uh, and Philip UMBER, the former Met uh, oh. Farmhand. Philly Humber? Yes, Philip Humber did it. So all three of those in 2012. The Dallas Braden one was in 2010 when you had two of them. The other one to do it was Roy Halladay.
5: Oh, the Doc. Was that in the postseason that year? Uh,
2: No, I don't think that was postseason. That was, uh, let's see here. No, it was in May. Okay. That was in May. So you had, you're right though. If you look at this, we haven't had one in 11 years. So you go from 04 to 09, Randy Johnson in 04, then Mark Burley in 09. That was it. So nothing for five years. Mm-hmm. Then you get the Braden and the Halliday two and ten, and then you get three in twenty twelve and then we go eleven years without one.
5: It's crazy. I mean, like I said, I'm a young I'm I'm thirteen, you know, fourteen at the time. I'm thinking this is going to happen every year now. Like, this is just baseball. You? Right. And and with the way that it's been played over the last 10 years, you would have expected it to happen how many times and it hasn't.
2: It is. You're right. It's interesting with the way guys are striking out such an alarming rate now and that batting averages are way down and mm-hmm. the game is controlled by the pitchers. You would think we'd see a little bit more of it. You think
5: now, – now, this is just a thought, and this is, like, really diving in, but – you think it's got something to do with the launch angles? Like, just, just the fact that you're swinging oh, for the fences. Oh, sure. Guys are just
2: getting a hold of one. I can tell you, in a, in some cases, it's actually taught. Mm-hmm. Remember when we were kids, I remember the whole uh, notion of hitting was almost hit down at the ball. Yeah. Line drives. Line drives. Now it's you're swinging slightly upward at the ball.
5: See, when I was uh, young, Mike Piazza was already, like, he already had been through to come up. He was a superstar. So, his uppercut swing was like a thing that, you know, some people would do because it's like, oh, you know, Piazza does it. So that kind of started around that period, I would say. Yeah. And maybe you might he's be the right. guy you that started it. Right. But now
2: it's now it's 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 what we see on an everyday basis. It's an now, epidemic, bro. which is why when you see guys that don't strike out much, like I don't think Otani no. strikes out much at all. He's, he's one a of these. God. He's one of these throwbacks. Where oh, right? I mean, I love him. You've got him. I don't think Arise doesn't strike out no. with the Marlins. Didn't with the Twins. But for the most part, even a really good hitter in today's baseball strikes out at least 150 times. It's yeah. unbelievable.
5: I mean, look at Pete Alonzo. I mean, he's a power hitter, but he's supposed to be a guy who's hitting for a decent average. And he's not, though. Nope, he's hitting for a terrible average, and he's striking out how many times? He's
2: and batting, what, 225?
5: Yep. Lindor I mean, is batting 225 also.
2: The weird thing about those two time. has been at the end of the year, you're going to see, I think... You'll see Alonzo will be around 50 home runs. Mm-hmm. He's going to drive in 100 runs. He might even score 100 runs. Yeah. And generally, that's a damn good season. Right but he's going to end up batting 220. Lindor is going to bat 220 and might have 30 home run All of that. Like the ribbies. power number, But there's no consistency from game to game.
5: No. And it hurts the rest of the lineup. I agree. When I, you have Jeff McNeil in that lineup, who stinks this year he stinks but also part of the reason he stinks is because guys in front of him have sub 300 on base percentages
2: yeah a guy a, that awful. bats
5: 300 is useless if he has nobody to drive in he has no
2: power he has to have guys on base that is true all yeah. right zoo great job we will uh, see you along the way here with boomer and geo quick break boomer and geo standing by they will start the program in just a moment right now on odyssey sports minute amy lawrence on perfection It's the dynamic duo of Al and Jerry, the superheroes of WFAN. Hi, right, welcome back. we got Boomer and Geo standing by if you're just waking up right after midnight or so. The game ended in Oakland last night where Domingo Herman threw the 24th perfect game in the history of baseball. So Hadzou and he actually saw a no-hitter, which is kind of cool. And I went and looked at the list of perfect games to see when the first one was. Now, Al and I always discuss baseball really wasn't baseball till the uh, 1920s. It was before that. Did they even... Did they even keep score properly? Well, I have an answer to that. So when you look up the list of perfect games, the first one was in 1880 by a guy by the name of Lee Richmond. By the way, the umpire that day was a cool name, Foghorn Bradley, whatever. Took an hour and 25 minutes. It was the Cleveland Blues and the Worcester. uh, That's where the sauce came from. Anyhow, point is, if you go to Wikipedia, they actually have a photograph of the box score that was written out From that day, dated and everything, and it looks legit. If it is, I don't know, but it certainly looks legit. So while we sit there and call baseball prior to 1920, 1925 not real, maybe it is. So that was the first one, and now Domingo Herman has this latest one. And then the other thing was we were looking at the gaps. We hadn't had one in 11 years. You have gaps here where you go from 1922 to 1956 uh, between perfect games when Don Larson threw it in October of 56 and then prior to that you had to go back 34 years. WFAN WFAN FM
5: WFAN
1: FM HD1 New York always live on the Free Odyssey app